Welcome back to episode number 69 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff, the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, guys, so keep those comments and questions coming. I got a couple really good ones, some really, really fun ones. One's kind of hard, though, because it's not great information out there, and, and so I'm going to call to you guys to help me with this one, too. Um, but I do appreciate it. I got a couple shares yesterday. Got, we're up to like 854, 855, somewhere in the, on the likes. So we're not doing anything super spectacular, stellar on the likes, guys. I need your help. I really, really do. Come on, share the, share the word. Spread it out there. Let people know what's going on. And, and um, there's 220,000 of us in the United States. That's the estimate out there right now. 220,000 advanced practice nurses. We can get to 1,000. I mean, that's, a, that's peanuts. That's a, that's a rounding error. So we can do this, guys. I know we can. Just tell your friends in, in school. Tell your friends at, uh, at work. Have a listen to the show. There's this weird guy that, that talks to a recorder in his car, and uh, he uh, he's mildly entertaining every now and then. Kind of funny sometimes, maybe. I don't know. Some people laugh at me, but I think they're just laughing at me. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Here all this time, I thought I was kind of funny. I'm just Maybe I'm funny looking. Probably that, too. Anyways, what are we going to talk about today? We got a couple good ones. Really good ones, right? Um, this one came in through a Facebook uh, PM to the NP dude, and it was a, and it was a great question. Um, a student asks, um, Medicare. Medicare limitations. What are some of them, and why do you think they happen? And... Um, I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm in primary practice, so I don't get a huge amount of Medicare, and, and I do a lot of well, Medicare limitations anyways, but I do get a couple Medicare patients. It's not a huge population. I get a lot of kids, a lot of Medicaid, um, so I don't run into a lot of headaches. I really don't. The one that I've seen personally is diabetic shoes. And I, and I did pull this up, and I went through CMS's website. I spent some time. That's why it took me a day or two to get back to you, so I do apologize. But... Um, I've been looking through CMS in between things, just saying, well, what's, what are some of the limitations? And I can't find any really hardcore like lists from CMS saying it's limited. So they're all buried throughout the statutes and throughout the regulations that they have for reimbursement. Now, here's the big picture thing with Medicare. It's not that Medicare says you can't do things. It just says they won't pay for it. And the particular instance that this student had mentioned was skilled nursing facility admissions. And you're absolutely right. They don't cover skilled nursing facility reimbursements unless it was seen by a physician first and they do the admission. So you can't admit to a skilled nursing facility. And I guarantee you're, you're exactly right. Your question's a great one. There's a, probably another dozen things out there that are just weird nuances that NPs aren't getting reimbursed for or they're getting substantially docked more than just their 85% reimbursement of what the physician is. So, I, I did go through and look. Now, one resource that I did find that was helpful, and I always fall back on these guys, because if I don't know what to do with something, I go here first. And and I, if I can't find it there, then I'll try to dig in deeper somewhere else. And, and I started there, and I ended up back there. And it's AANP's website. Go to AANP's website, use the search tool, put in whatever it is that your specific issue that you have, um, diabetic shoes, just type that, and you'll get a fact sheet on diabetic shoes. It says, here's the position statement that says, here's the current law as it stands, or reimbursement, or whatever it is, and here's what we think needs to change. And they actually have, through AANP, um, a thing that you can click on for letters that will get sent to the... Um, to your to your senator, to your congressman, 
and um, and the like, so that you can automatically just send them. A, hey, we want full practice of you know diabetic shoes, or we want skilled nursing facility ad- admission to be equal. And so you send those emails. You can click on the link. It fills out the form. It actually you put in your contact information, and it's just like you sent the email. And so it's kind of a nice resource. So I encourage you guys to go use that. I'm not usually one to, to call to arms to go fight the legislature because they don't really listen anyways. But that's one that's kind of nice because you don't have to do a lot of work for it. And it doesn't hurt anything. So go do it. Click on the link. Go AANP, type diabetic shoes. You'll get, the, you'll get all the stuff for it. And you can click on the link for that. Um, what are some of the other ones? I don't know, right? Uh, the, the, the limitations aren't well defined. They don't advertise that. <laughs> so they, they make it hard. They make it really, really difficult. So I'm begging you guys, if you're in practice and you see some limitation, I don't care what scope it is. I don't care if it's acute care. I don't care if it's, if it's outpatient, inpatient. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just curious to know what limitations you guys are having so that uh, we can bring it, up, bring it up, bring it to light, and figure out why. And that's the next question we're going to get to, right? Um, Email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can send me those things. Let me know what's going on with you guys. What limitations are you seeing? Because I don't see that many. I just see diabetic shoes. And all we have to do is just take down the order, have the physician sign the piece of paper, explain the patient you know, to him, and, they, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and it's done. So it gets covered by insurance. Now, can I do that without without the physician yeah i can i can i can write an order for shoes but the problem is is that medicare is not going to pay for it so if the patient just wants diabetic shoes they can go right down to you know the shoe store that sells diabetic shoes and get them and pay cash for them that's essentially what's going to happen unless they have other insurance now if they have other insurance my guess and this is a purely a guess is that they're going to follow the guidelines that are established by medicare not all, I'm sure not all of them follow that, but a lot of them use CMS as their guidepost of what they do and do not include because it just makes it easier. They just mirror what the federal regulations and rules are for reimbursement. And it's, you know, they can kind of defer to that. But I don't think that's all of them. So I think you could probably have the patient call their insurance and see can, can my nurse practitioner admit me to the skilled nursing facility if your insurance is going to cover it? And they may say, yeah, no problem. In, in which case it becomes a state issue. Is it allowed or permitted by your state board of nursing? Is it within your scope of practice? And in Ohio, I don't think there's any limitations on that. I think you're allowed to do to do certain things. Now, are you allowed to do it? I, I think it's more practical than it is legal. Practically, you're not going to get reimbursed for any of those follow-up visits if you use Medicare. So not only do you miss the initial visit, you know, the, the, the admission visit, but you're never going to get paid for any of that patient's admission to that skilled nursing facility. That's why you need to have the physician do it first, and then you build incident two. Now, one of the things I did notice with Medicare, and I saw this in school, and I did like a whole online post and read it and, and analyzed it and broke it down, and then I kind of forgot about it. I just fall back on the laziness of how we, how we typically practice is like, all right, it's kind of 85%, right? That's the general number. We get paid 85% through Medicare. But there's a little bit of a caveat in there that nobody ever really talks about. And it says 80%. It's, it's, it's an or. There's 80% of the billed amount or 85% of what the physician gets reimbursed is what you get for a visit with Medicare. Medicare. And so a lot of people forget about the 8% of that bill. But I think that you typically bill out, you're, you're billing, you know, 180 bucks and you're getting paid you know, 90 or 75 
So it's, you know, the 80% of that, you're already below that with 85% of what the physician gets. So I don't think practically it matters. You know, it's always 85%. I don't know if that's true. But there's another, there's another number out there for your reimbursement rate relative to what a physician would get that we always just kind of forget about and just say, oh, we get 85% of what the physicians get. So that's kind of the lazy way out. Because practically, you're probably always going to get that. But it's not true. You, you may get, you may get uh, less than 85% depending on what you actually bill out to Medicare. So anyways, that, that was interesting um, thought there of like, what's, we should start a list of things that suck <laughs> that we don't get paid for through Medicare. And I think AANP already has that. And I only think there's a handful of them that we know of. But if you're curious and you're like, man, I don't know what, you know, what about, uh, you know, this topic that I, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know everything. So go search that through AANP and let me know. Let me know what's the, what's your issue and, and uh, other specifics. But I don't really see a lot of them in my, in my practice yet. But I haven't been doing it that long. So maybe other things will pop up and as they do, we'll talk about them. Why does this happen? Why do we see these weird carve-outs? And there's really only two reasons I can think of that they, that they happen. Number one, and this is the benefit of the doubt argument that I use. They just missed it and blew it. When they revamped the codes and everything else and they started allowing nurse practitioners and PAs to do more scope of practice and get more reimbursement, especially NPs, um, or I should say APRNs because it's all of them, CRNAs and every, you know, midwives and everything else too, CNSs. Um, I think maybe they just blew it. That's my first argument. That's the benefit of the doubt argument. That's the... Yeah, they, there's so much code section out there that when you when you look at it, it's hard to catch everything. So that's argument one. But I think that's a lame excuse, right? Because it's been out there for a while now. Some of those laws are from 2011, 2013, and, and they could have fixed those by now, right? So I think it's more nefarious than that. I think there's just backdoor deals that are concessions that are made to get the regulations through the way they want them. So... Um, is there a giant diabetic shoe lobby out there? I don't think so. I can't imagine, right? I mean, who would benefit from that? Primary practice, right? The, the, the physician group. So maybe it's an AMA thing? I don't know. I don't know who benefits from this. I, I, does a physician really care that a nurse practitioner is doing direct admissions? I don't, I don't think they care, right? Because most of them are working for a doctor office anyways, and they're already going to be billing incident two for other services, why not just scrape that off your plate and let them do it? I, I don't know. I don't see any good benefit to anybody, to be honest with you. Especially the diabetic shoe one. Who cares? It's a diabetic freaking shoe. But I did read the rule on that. There was a position paper that was put out. It was like a memorandum that was put out by CMS about the diabetic shoes. And it was funny because they don't even allow podiatrists to sign for it. <laughs> Who do diabetic neuropathy for foot care? can't sign the paper for that. It has to be an MD or a DO. Actually, it says maybe an MD or DO, but then it specifically excludes everybody else. Thought that was interesting. Thought that was interesting. That would be the one I would consult to. Say, here, you need diabetic shoes. You go see that guy. That's the specialist of feet. They, they can't sign for foot shoes? Come on. That's stupid. Makes no sense. Say NP, maybe I could buy it, right? They're just, you know, ignorant to what we do. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> Podiatrist? It just doesn't make sense. So I just chalk it up to it's it's just the government. It's government. 
that it's they're backwards on things, and that's one of the, the holdouts that they still are backwards on. They're probably too busy fighting other fires, and it's just such a low, um, low priority for them. And I, I, I picture my apple trees in my backyard, and I pick all the fruit on the bottom first, right? The low-hanging fruit. That's the stuff at the top of the tree. They gotta go get a ladder. They gotta go pick the apples. They got you know wormholes and bees burrowing through them, and they're not the greatest fruit in the world, anyways. So I think they just wait until it becomes a headache, and it's not big enough a headache. They got other fires to fight. That's probably why it's still there, more than anything. But we do see that every now and then. Now, one thing I did remember <laughs> it was like a, a bad, like just a acid trip, if I could ever imagine having an acid trip. Reading CMS guidelines was like an acid trip of my days of working in engineering, because I just like had these flashbacks that were just scary and painful because of the, the number of acronyms that the U.S. government uses for things is just insane. And they do it on purpose. They do it with the intent of making it um, under the guise of making things easier, but you don't know what the acronyms mean, so you don't know the definition of the acronym. They have acronyms for acronyms. If you don't know what an acronym is, it's basically take a, you know, several words and use the first letter of each word, and, and that's your acronym. Like the Affordable Care Act is ACA. Okay, that's the acronym, is ACA. You don't know what the hell you're reading when you read these rules. So you've got to be an expert in it to be able to function through these things. So it's amazing. I mean, it takes a lot of time to read these things and come up with good answers. Um, and I didn't see anything really helpful, to be honest with you. It's just a lot of doublespeak, and there's nothing really helpful as far as limitations in any of CMS. I went to CMS's website and put nurse practitioner limitations in their search tool. got nothing. got absolutely nothing. Because I don't think they want to explicitly state, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. I don't think they want to advertise that. I think they would rather say, reimbursement will be at a reduced rate. So they buried in doublespeak thought that was interesting. Anyways, great question. Great question. I'd love to hear what you guys have. Please email me. I really mean it. Jeff at the npdude.com. Send me that stuff. Okay, second issue today. I have a, a person that I, I've, um, that I know that worked at one of my clinical sites. She's fantastic. She's a great nurse practitioner. Um, really, really, really respect this person. She's very experienced. Um, I bounce things off her every now and then, and, and I value her opinion. And she was listening to one of my shows and said, okay, here's the deal. When I was talking about the hormone replacement therapy, the, the bioavailable uh, or whatever it is, I can't remember the name of it, the BHRT stuff, right? Just a couple shows ago. She said that um, she has seen practices in Ohio get in trouble for compounding, which I know we're not allowed to compound things. We can't send for compounded medicines. We have to do them individually. So if the hormone therapy is compounded, then we have an issue. We can't do that. So you might get in trouble for that in and of itself. So if you're writing scripts for compounded things, now with the new formulary, I don't know if that's going to change. We'll have to see if they get rid of this compounding crap in the new formulary. But compounded medicines were kind of a no-no for us in Ohio. And this person was in Ohio. I was asking about the, the hormone replacement stuff. The other thing with that is, as far as dispensary is concerned, in Ohio... Under the rules that she was citing, it, it showed that it's a no-no for nurse practitioners to be a dispensary, per se. You could do samples because you're not dispensing them as a, you know, as a, a subsection of the pharmacy rules. But you're, you're, you fall outside of the scope on that. So you're not allowed to dispense in Ohio either. So I, my, my assumption of 
just send them to the pharmacy, pick it up and bring it there, and then you can just check the medicine and administer it is perfectly okay. But you can't dispense the medicine. Once it's in the possession of the patient, it's their medicine. You just happen to help them put it in their body. Plus, you can charge them a nurse visit for that, too, as a follow-up. If you want to do that. If you're doing it. You probably don't. You probably want to do it as a bundle. <laughs> Put your thumb in their eye about you're getting another reimbursement from them. Because it's probably all cash. I don't think anybody's paying for this stuff, insurance-wise. So anyways, that was that was great. Thank you so much for, for correcting me on that and giving me some guidance. I fully trust this person, so I trust that that's true and accurate. I did look up the code sections that she sent to me, and it didn't seem to make sense that those sections were the right ones, but I don't know if it was a typo in the communication back and forth or, or what, because it was more just mental health board section that I saw in there. So I think that might have been rules specific to the Board of uh, Mental Health and dispensing medications through those types of facilities that disallowed that practice of dispensing medications as a nurse practitioner. But that might be what the rules are being used as the state board. They might be hanging their hand on that, that the mental health board dispensary rules and saying, yeah, you can't do it there, so you can't do it anywhere because it might be silent on other places. So that's why you have to be careful because just because you say, oh, well, the Nurse Practice Act is silent there, doesn't mean that the board won't use other rules as guideposts to say, yeah, you're screwed. So you gotta be really careful on certain things like this. I would play it safe. I really would. I would I would double back. I, was, I, I wouldn't not do it, though. If you think you've got a practice there that you can build up and it's and it's helping people, go for it. But you got to be really smart about it. And I would certainly pay an attorney on that one just to double check and pour through the regs and make sure you're not missing anything and uh, that you're playing it completely by the up and up. And I might even send it to the Board of Nursing and say, hey, this is my business plan. This is what I'm doing. I kind of would like an opinion on this. Can you please do that? Now, they may, they may blow you off, and that's okay, but at least you tried. It shows that you're good faith not trying to hide anything. Um if you do go against the board for an action that they say, oh, you're not allowed to do that. You say, well, I tried to get you to answer this, but you wouldn't. And so I, you know, here's my reason why I did it. That might help you down the line. So that was great. I I appreciate that. I'm not going to use your name unless you want me to. Tell me if you want me to. I don't have a problem with it, but thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening too. It's awesome when somebody who's got that much experience listens to your show and says, hey, you're doing okay with this. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm hoping I'm doing okay. So I appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, what else we got? We got another one that was um, kind of a recent show. It was about the preemption stuff. Somebody responded back to me, and, and this is uh, and, and this person said I can use names. So Chris, thanks for, for responding back, man. I said this guy's always solid. He's always just answering stuff, giving me good ideas, following up with good, just. It, this is a perfect example of why I like doing this and love doing this. It gets me excited because when when people like Chris listen and say, well, how about we use this rule for another reason? They're critically thinking. Chris, you're using your brain, and I love it, brother. You're doing what I want people to do. You're thinking about stuff. You're not just mindlessly listening and just chuckling here and there or putting your earbuds in and going to sleep listening to me. I'm okay with that, too. But you're actively listening, and you're thinking about, well, wait, wait a second. What if we use this over here, and how does that work? So here's the question Chris came back with with this preemption stuff. We talked about preemption in in a previous show. It was just a couple shows ago. I encourage you to go listen to it. And if you haven't yet, a quick recap. Preemption is is a constitutional theory or rule. It's a general rule. So it's not like you can point to it and say, oh, preemption rule. It is, but it's not. Okay, it's more of a theory. And and um, 
it basically is when the federal rules will trump state rules and when does that apply and i do a whole like half a show or almost a whole show i think i did a whole show on it um on preemption and gave examples and things like that so go listen to that first if you haven't listened go listen to it but why what chris did here was he's like okay so preemption is when the federal government's rules trump the state rules and it's more specific or limiting and more controlling than what the state rules would be. And he gave me an example back and said, how come it doesn't work here? And I was like, ha he's listening. Good job, brother. So here's his, his hypothetical. Medical marijuana or marijuana in use in general. How come states are allowed to, to make it legal for marijuana use in Oregon and Colorado, and, and I think there's, what, two or three states now that, that have it that's legal to just smoke it, just to smoke it. Here, have fun. How come they're allowed to do it? Shouldn't that be preempted by federal law that says it's an illegal substance and you should get, you should go to jail for it? Yes, it is preempted by it. But nobody wants to fight that battle. Nobody does. Nobody wins. Nobody wins when they fight that battle. So here's this. Here's the example that would happen if the federal government were to say, you know what, there's a, a Colorado medic, uh, marijuana dispensary that's that's not medical. Just they, they sell in pot out of a storefront. They're allowed to do it there. Whatever. That's that's a state rule, right? But it's an illegal substance federally. Can the the federal um, DEA go bust down their door, raid their facility, take all their dope, and uh, and put them in jail? Absolutely they can. Do you think that that would be on the news? That would be the biggest headline for weeks. Nobody wants to do that. That would be career suicide all the way around. Because here's here's the argument on the other side. It's marijuana. It's not that big a deal. Do I think that? I don't know. You know, I mean, if somebody wants to smoke pot, they're a big person. They can do what they want. It's not, as long as it doesn't affect me or my family, I don't give a crap what you do. I'm, a, I'm an anarchist libertarian. Have fun. Do what you want. Just don't bug me. Okay, don't bring down my society and close to me. But if you if you want to take down your your neighborhood, if it's if you want to shoot each other up in your neighborhood, whatever, dude, it's your neighborhood. Don't do it in mine. And I and I would encourage other people that if they started doing it in your neighborhood, and that's not what you want, then you either move or you take corrective action to, to stop it. Don't don't put it in the arms of the state. The state's gonna screw it up. But nobody's gonna take that fight. Nobody's gonna take that fight. Nobody wins. It's political suicide. Just is. Nobody's going to do it. Now, Jeff Sessions, who's the, the U.S. Attorney General, has made comments about about marijuana use as a gateway drug and things like that. Now, does that mean that he's going to go after these people? I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's got the cojones. He's going to get... He would be... He'd be crucified. He would be crucified. The The left media would, would crucify anybody that would go after these these... You know, you know, how many people you know, go out and stab people when they're high on, on marijuana? Not that many. How many DUIs are there because of marijuana? I don't think many. I mean, usually they're drunk or high or stoned on something else, maybe with marijuana, but not. it's not what they're getting it for. If people get stoned, they just go hang out at home. They <laughs> eat a lot of chips. Does that bother anybody? Not really. So it's a hard one to sell. Now, if they were selling cocaine out of the front window and they made it legal to do cocaine and people were dying in the streets, yeah, they might be they might be knocking on the door or heroin or something like that. If it was legal to do heroin and, and you know, kind of like Amsterdam type of thing, and they made that that way in Denver, 
and you know they might be knocking on their door for that but it's it's weed dude it's does that mean it's a big deal i don't know i've never smoked it i'll be honest i don't do stuff I, I drink alcohol. I make my own my own alcohol, and I and I enjoy and partake in a couple glasses here and there. That's it. I'm not crazy about drugs. But what a cool cool discussion that you you just brought to the forefront. Like, man, this guy's listening. He gets it. So hopefully, I did a decent job explaining preemption. Um, it seems like Chris got it and understands the the basic fundamental of the rule. But we have to realize that there's always a political side to everything. That goes for the most minute thing in your office. There's always a political and a rule. There's always the rule and there's the political. And you have to balance those two. You always do. It goes all the way up to the President of the United States. He's got, he's got rules and then he's got, he's got politics. And you have to abide by both. Now, the other thing is, too, is the funding for going after these things... Um, if like medical marijuana or regular marijuana in, in, in non-medical use, I guess I used to say not regular. I guess there's you know irregular marijuana, but it's, it comes down to funding too. So what are they going to do right now? They're they're spending money more money than they could ever dream to pay back. <laughs> they're just blowing money left and right. And as as a, a, a intended conservative. Um, and it's going to drain the swamp, quote-unquote. Trump ain't doing crap for our budget. He really isn't. He's not saving us. Nobody's going to. Nobody's going to save our budget. But it's a beautiful sunny day. I don't care about the budget because it doesn't affect me anyways. I can't control it. I can't control it. It's out of my sphere of influence. So I don't give a crap. And I encourage you to think that way too. Think about your life as... Uh, you know, bouncy, you know, the bubble boy that lived in a bubble? I don't know if you guys, I'm telling pretty old. There's an old movie back in like the 70s about the bubble boy, right? And he had this, you know, autoimmune disease and he couldn't go outside and he lived in a bubble. And he would run around in this round ball thing right outside. Think of your life as being different bubbles around you. Your immediate bubble around you is something you could touch with your hand, right? So it's as big as the, bu- the bubble boy's bubble. What can you affect right here in front of me? That's you know your your diet, exercise, family relationships, job, religion, those things right in front of you. Those are the things that you can touch. The next sphere is bigger, right? It's the stuff that's in your community. I can give food to my neighbors. I can I can donate time at the at the food bank. I could I could volunteer to do blood pressure screenings and at the church, or I could do you know all these different things. Whatever it is that you're you know at the work at the homeless shelter or or. Um, take care of dogs that are at the rescue shelter or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Those are in your community. It's a bigger bubble. Do the things that you can affect. Who gives a crap about the big stuff, right? So do, do, do I really care about the medical marijuana stuff? I have zero control over it. I'm just going to roll with the punches. But thanks, Chris, for listening. And thanks for that great comment. That was so exciting. I'm like, yeah, he gets it. Love it. Love it. All right. I'm on a good note right now. I got a bunch of patients scheduled and I'm flying to work. So I'm going to sign off. I got stuff to do. But thanks for listening, guys. I am really excited about just the future, where we're going with things. I'm just—I've never been more positive in my life. I really have not. I'm just really, really excited about what what's to come, and and um, I know we've got great things ahead of us as a practice and as a profession. And and so I, I encourage you guys to start start your day with a positive note. Go out there and just get it done. Um, doesn't matter if you're you know having a rough day or not. Just know at the end of the day that you're helping people and you're doing the right thing by by other people that maybe don't know how to take care of themselves or 
do know but aren't encouraged to do so and you're the one that's that's finally getting them to do what they need to do to take care of themselves so keep that in mind and uh, don't forget to share the show shameless plug at the end always got to do it share the show tell your friends get the word out there send me those emails jeff at the npdude.com you can always catch me on facebook you can pm me personally or through the npdude which is at the npdude don't forget the the you can get me on iTunes. Don't forget to rate me there, guys. I get like 13 ratings, 14 ratings, something like that. Um, all of them positive. So um, tell me the truth. If you guys think I'm crap, tell me I'm crap. But I want to hear why. I'm okay with it. Just tell me why. Don't forget to rate me on Facebook, too. Because every time you guys rate me, um, it just kind of lets people know. Just gives people a heads up if it, you know it's worth worth their time to spend. It's, you know, time is a commodity, and you know you guys taking the time to do that, I really appreciate it because it's it's your time. Your time is money, and I appreciate that you're spending your time, which is money, to help me and help us and get it out there. So keep on doing it, guys. Having a blast doing this. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. <laughs>